And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. You're down at the banks, maybe taking in a Bengals game, taking in a show, something of that nature. Make sure you are stopping by, seeing our good friends at the Holy Grail Banks. We will also see the return of the watch parties next Saturday, 8 p.m. As the Bearcats take on Baylor, or excuse me, Oklahoma State. Baylor's this week, whatever. As the Bearcats take on Oklahoma State. So make sure you make your plans now. Come down, have a nice night out at the banks, and join us as we watch the game. All right. Let's get this show on the road. Can you? Are you okay, Keegan? Was it a long day? I had to get a yawn out. I'm in a barbecue coma. We'll, we'll get to that. Uh, we are joined tonight, as you can see. Hi, Dave, by the way. How you doing, buddy? I'm wonderful. How are you? Good. Figured since this was uh, big tw- the Big 12 tip-off. It's not media days. I, I called it Big 12 media days and even capitalized like it was a title the whole time. So I was wrong. It's the Big but 12 tip-off. Doesn't make sense. But uh, okay. At Kansas City, uh, in Kansas City. Keegan has been there for us all day, taking in all of the festivities and uh, bringing you the latest in news and information on the ground in Kansas City. Keegan, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's been a very pleasant experience in the home of Taylor Swift. So it's been it's been a good 48 hours. What was the uh, barbecue destination tonight, and what did you have? It was Jack Stacks, um, and I was talked into not going to Joe's. So I had the barbecue pork ribs and burnt ends, and then they had um, beans and cheesy corn, and it was fantastically mid it was not that good, and the fact that I was talked out of going to Joe's is one of the worst mistakes I've ever made in my life. So I need to be Who better. Who talked you out of going to Joe's? It was um, someone from Heartland College Sports. I think it was. I think his name's Joe. So he didn't about- talk me out of it, but I told him I was like, I kind of, I did want to go somewhere closer, like in the city, and this is just right outside the city. Wait, wait, wait. Joe talked you out of going to Joe's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just want to know why you didn't just go to Arthur Bryant's. I did. I don't know what that is. The only wow. other one I heard of is Gates. I was told to go to Gates Barbecue as well. Your mistake is you didn't ask Dave what you should do because <laughs> Dave is like us. He's fat, and he like me. He's fat, and he knows where to go if he's been to a town. I just haven't been to Kansas City. I haven't either, but I know Arthur Bryant's come. I know that's a spot that everyone talks about, and Gates is another one. Yeah, well, Joe's was Joe's knocked Jack Stacks out of the park, so it wasn't even comparable. What did they? How about food at the event? How did that compare to Dallas? Um, um, flank steak, and they had some good green beans. I'll give them that. The green beans were good. But then the protein was flank steak, which they ran out of by the time I got there. Um, and then they had salad, and the salad, the ranch on the salad was very good. But none of it ever topped the mac and cheese. So. Yeah. 
now that we've got the important things out of the way, yeah. uh, obviously the uh, the storyline is Wes's comments regarding Aziz and Jamil. You got you covered it uh, quite well. Any anecdotes or things you want to add to that? I know we don't need to go back and talk about everything you said. It's it's on Go Bearcat or it's on Bearcat Journal on the YouTube page, all that. But just you know, your take on how how he handled that, what what else you heard or what else he said in the breakout sessions, stuff like that. I, I did find it interesting that um, Vic and John didn't know until we told them at the breakout session. So I was like, you know, obviously the news about Aziz and Jamil not getting their waivers denied or getting their waivers denied. And they went, what? They got denied? <laughs> we no, were all sitting there I looking at I would have figured the, the guys would have, like, Jamil and Aziz might have told them. I know. But I appreciate Vic being like, ah, we knew this was, like, this is just the first yeah, part of the process. it was a long shot. But John was like, when did he say it? When did Coach say it? And I was like, on the podium. <laughs> like, like a half hour ago. <laughs> on the podium. But um, <clears throat> for Wes, the interesting thing to me was it was a mix <clears throat> of him obviously, like notice, noticeably being pissed and also just being like, we're going forward as they're playing because it makes too much sense that they should be playing. Like according to the guidelines and everything that happened, all the stuff we filled out, they meet all the guidelines. So we're going forward as they're playing. And he didn't seem to be like, yeah, there's contingency plans and Sage is going to get a, a lot of looks and we have these lineups ready. It was, no, like, we expect them to play this season. So I, the thing that I hadn't realized before this whole thing, which he very quickly said at the podium, was, and it makes sense, the guidelines that they set out is basically the NCAA telling them, if you do this, you can transfer. So then, like, Aziz moves from Utah to Cincinnati, Ohio, because the guidelines said that he could. And now you're telling them that he can't. So that's something that I'd never – it, ne it never really gotten through to me that that's kind of what it was, but that that cleared it up a lot, and it, it made a lot of sense on a lot of levels. Yeah, I mean, let's – let's real quick, though, let's go back to something I posted on September 7th at 6.09 p.m. From what I've been hearing – the main issue is the NCAA set guidelines on what was necessary for the waivers and schools feel they are meeting those guidelines and still being denied. And here we are. Yeah. Was that this time around? That was the trend or is that always been? No, that's no, it's just this. It's, okay. Yeah. Okay. So basically like for anybody that's, that's not all the way caught up on what's going on, the schools wanted no second waiver unless you had, or no second transfer unless you had graduated and you were a graduate transfer. Um, the NCAA wanted, was going to put in no second waivers at all. The lawyers told them you can't do that because you're opening yourself up to major lawsuits if there's no like path via health, mental health, to get a waiver. Yeah, so it's, a, it's an NCAA, antitrust violation. Right. So the NCAA put the the clause in that you could apply for the waiver. They set guidelines 
of what you needed to reach. Like, I think it was, from what I heard, it was nine different categories, nine different boxes you had to check um, in order to get the waiver. Cincinnati, clearly, and I, I've heard about this from other places as well that have had kids denied, felt like, okay, we met all the guidelines and we were still denied. And so that gives Cincinnati a path forward in their appeal process. Wes made it very clear, like, look, we're, we understand what we're dealing with here, but the issue is you said do this, 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 and this, meet these, check these boxes, and you get a waiver. And we have two guys that checked those boxes and did not get the waiver. So that is going to clear pretty clearly be their angle yeah. uh, as they proceed. Definitely uh, differentiated his comment from it just being like a two-transfer thing and me and putting it more back on the NCAA. Yeah, and saying what you said, like you, if you told me I needed to do all these things to get this job, and I did all these things, and then you said, "Oh no, you you, you know you can't have the job, whatever." Um, yeah, so I'm sure too. Like they probably have denied every one at the I first. I don't know the first any. go. At the first yeah, go, I don't it's know like if a, anybody that's gotten it on the. It's first like day. a it's rubber rubber years. stamp denial. So, Chad, in your humble opinion, what do you think the percentage is for the appeal process? Because I know you kind of had a, a, a kind of an idea of what the waiver process would be, but. Uh, I don't know what. Sorry, I had to turn my TV down. The other um, I don't know what the number is right now. I know a couple of weeks ago it was 18 percent. 18 percent of the cases that went to appeal uh had gotten approved um i don't know if that number has changed i think that was a couple weeks maybe a month ago um when it was more focused on the football waivers but i haven't heard of any um and maybe there's been one or two but i haven't heard of many of the basketball cases uh completing the appeal process yet so i do think there's one or two but um I, it's not high, but again, one of the reasons that Cincinnati waited to put in the waiver claims was to see what had happened as they went through the football stuff. And what has changed is the Tez Walker case, where not only did the case go through the waiver process, it also went through appeal. Two appeals. Was denied, two appeals, was denied in appeals. And then eventually, uh, when the attorney general for the state of North Carolina got involved and threatened antitrust lawsuits. And some, and some lawyers. And some lawyers. Uh, the NCAA circled back and said, well, they submitted new information new. that if they just would have submitted that a long time ago, uh, then this wouldn't have been a problem. And North Carolina said, Bullshit. We didn't submit anything new. We threatened to sue you to the moon. Yeah, and back. I'm sure when North Carolina first, you know, put their claim in in July that yeah, in October, like, oh, my God, where Sharon, 
how, where was this new this information? Was it buried in your desk? Like, I can't believe we found it now. We're going to get Tez eligible. Like, holy shit. So do you think this bleeds into the, like, well into the season? Like, they just keep on doing appeals and lawsuits and stuff? Well, I think if, they don't, if they don't get them approved, yeah. I think it'll go faster though because they'll go. They'll there won't be a sec. There won't be like a third appeal. Then a what? Then time spent trying to bicker back and forth with the NCAA and then getting lawyer. Like if they don't get approved on the first, you know, appeal, I think it's all right. Now we're now we're serious. Like I feel like the North Carolina thing <laughs> tried to um, like tried to play it out the way everyone used to play it out. And I think this will now jump a couple of those steps. Here's my favorite part about that. If the NCAA didn't say anything, North Carolina probably would have just went quiet into the night on that. Like, okay, we got our guy approved. But you make North Carolina look bad as the NCAA when you say, oh, well, if if they didn't screw up and not present all the information – uh, then this would have been settled a long time ago. And you you continue to provoke one of the giants. Like, I don't – that's one of the things, Dave, I've talked about this before, even in just the, um, the team website, whatever, world. North Carolina, like, is king. Like, I don't think people understand yeah, they have how what, massive huh? – 24-7, they have, what, top five membership? I think they're number one. Are they? I know they were up very close to the top. You know. Yeah, but and I think their football is mid. The definition of mid, like for the history of their football program, bigger than Bama, bigger than Ohio, Ohio State, State, bigger like, like North Carolina. They have as much juice and reputation as anybody in college sports, and the NCAA was poking at them thinking that North Carolina wasn't going to fire back. But now that North Carolina has fired back, and there is – what has happened is, I, I think, personally, there's now a bit of a roadmap to follow. Um, for everybody like – do I – will you see lawyer up? Like, if I was able to ascertain that this is how it was going to play out, I'm pretty sure – the folks much smarter than me running the athletic department were well aware that the waiver was going to be denied and they would have to go to appeal. So I don't think they're caught uh, surprised. I mean, we can't speak on everybody's compliance departments, but we have a pretty good, you and I have a pretty good understanding of, of what UCs is and how, how they, go about things and it's it's very hard for me to imagine Maggie and her team looking at Wes and going these guys don't even meet half of the requirements that the NCAA is laying out you should still go after them like now you're still going to go after guys because you think you can figure out ways to to do workarounds and we know that that takes place at times but like the way they are like they feel and Wes I think intimated that like he's getting that from someone else He's not, you know, he's being told, like, this is how we feel about this. Uh, you're more than fine to say those things. Uh, so I would, I think their hope is probably that 
that we don't get to that point when you go to the appeals then whoever it goes to above the staff part which i just i just look at those people as like the entry-level rubber stampers like you're getting denied on your insurance claim or something like they're they're just told just deny everything make them come back to us make them earn it so to speak so uh i would assume they think that it's going to get through on this net, on this approval and they won't have to go down that road. Right. I mean, I think you do, you probably do need to be lawyered up for that. Well, you have to have it on the, on the ready. Um, but if, if what they're saying is true, I mean, if they're saying like you set forth guidelines and we met them all, like we show you proof, you had nine guidelines. Here's all nine of the things that we, met those thresholds like right if you then say no you're then you just say no because you just want to say no you're not following even your own your own protocols then that's when you get a lawyer right so uh we'll see we'll see you know would maybe be smart to if only west had some contacts at north carolina that could maybe put him in touch with the lawyering, the lawyers that did the lawyering. <laughs> One of them's uh, going to be in talk in two weeks, watching practice. So, <clears throat> what's that? I'm sorry. Did you see that in the breakout session? No, no. I did not. He said Roy's going to be in town in about two weeks to watch oh, okay. spend a couple of days with them. He said if compliance would let him, he would just let Roy coach the team for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, I mean, just just know that Cincinnati's not surprised that we're at this point. I think most everybody expected the first one was going to be denied because that's just how they have operated throughout this this cycle. Um, and now the fun begins. So for the people that are panicking, we're not there yet. We might get there. This is not me saying. Oh, there's no, no reason to panic. This is like when dipshits on Twitter try to say something uh, <laughs> ahead of what is real so that they can take credit when what is most likely to happen happens. That's not the, like just they know the process. It, it might be time to freak out in a couple of weeks. Like it might, I might be on here being like, all right, panic. But now it's not quite the time to panic because we're still cycling through the process my favorite thing about that is when people claim to be right but even if they're wrong there's no backlash or retaliation or right hit to their reputation you're, a, you're a dumbass with 37 followers congratulations yeah the, the race is the race is not near over so uh, we're not at the starting line but we're like at the a little past the midway point in this process i would say <laughs> So Keegan, what else today? Uh, that obviously is is the main stuff going on because uh, it's the first we've heard that the initial uh, waiver was denied. But uh, what what else do we need to know about uh, Big Twelve tip? Was it tip off? Tip off. Yeah. What else do we need to know about Big Twelve tip off? Um. Uh... Probably the favorite, my favorite moment from the podium was Kelvin Sampson. He uh, he was asked about just the level of competition in the Big Twelve, and 
you know, going into the new conference, but you are Houston who's been pretty good. And he said, it's kind of like going to a dog park and, you know, one dog walk past another dog and they're sizing each other up and then they get ready to fight. You know, this dog park, it's, it's all German shepherds. It's all <laughs> Rottweilers and bulldogs. He's like, where, where are the Shih Tzus at? That there were some Shih Tzus and some Chihuahuas that I knew I could take care of. <laughs> They're in Orlando. <laughs> yeah. So I that like is, Calvin. Yeah, he's a he's fine. He's, he's he's got some personality. Like you know, he, he has lived uh, on the edge of the rules, which you know, more to him. Uh, <laughs> he is notorious for doing things that ultimately become legal. But he just decided that they were legal years. He's very, he's a man, he's a coach very ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the legalities of, of the sport. The, but, first, um, um, the first question to him was um, it was a guy from 247. And he said, Coach, just wondering, you know, Houston and Texas, they have some rivalries since they're in the same state and so close. Are you guys interested in playing beyond when Texas leaves to so the SEC? And he goes, he says, are you with uh, 247 or Texas? Yeah, and, he, uh, uh, and then the guy's like, I'm from 247. He's like, oh, well, you sounded like you were from Texas with that question. That's outstanding. <laughs> so um, also just getting to talk to the players for the first time, just genuinely enjoyable people. Um, Odie, John, and Vic. Vic was hilarious. I asked him Vic about. Is funny, dude. I asked him about stand-up comedy, and he said like it's a legitimate passion that he has. And his two favorite comedians are Bill Burr and Dave Chappelle. So, respect. It's a good two. It's a good two. What else? Anything else you got? That all you got? You're done. You've given no, us all your information. I was gonna wait for the host to pose me another question. Um, Man, we actually I'm, talk, I'm just the, talk. In the house. Uh, no, he's trying to take uh, a shot at did me. You get, did you get to talk to – I know. Did you get to talk to the players at all? Did they – like uh, to John – He to just Odie, said that. Oh, I was <laughs> – sorry. I had my uh, my nightly uh, VPN meltdown. So, it's, I missed that. My bad. Um, I did – yeah. So, the the most interesting thing about Vic was, you know, Wes said that he's been shooting like 40% from three in practice and uh, during the scrimmages. So he's like taking a step and progressing that part of his game. But he said he can't lose his superpower, which is being close to the basket and having a really high field goal percentage. So he's really focused on finding a balance of not getting too far away from the paint and knowing that that's the best part of his game, but also making teams respect him from three. So I thought him calling <laughs> this superpower, I thought that was pretty, <laughs> really cool. And then he, uh, I asked him about kind of a follow-up on that is, you know, who helped you have CMOS and CJ helped you in that a lot because they're really like they're sharpshooters from three. And he goes, I want to shout out CMOS, another European I've been praying for this day for years that we have another European on the team. Um, but they just, all three of them seem to get along really well. And they, they were joking back and forth with each other. And uh, I think I made a mistake from the podium when Wes was talking. 
Um, when he talked about John Newman being the best player in the secret scrimmages, I think he was he talking about last year. Season? Yeah. He was. yeah. So I said this year. And then Neil, and this is my fault because Neil probably saw my tweet. Neil asked um, John about him being the best player in the secret <laughs> scrimmages. And Vic started laughing hysterically. And John was like, I don't know what coach has seen, but I definitely was not the best player in our scrimmage versus Maryland. And we lost it. So that was funny. I did not I did not realize, because I'm not in that mode yet, but I did not realize that Maryland is supposed to be very good this year. They have yes, two really good freshmen. Jamie Kaiser's a dog. I saw like top top three Big Ten this year. Yeah. Yes. And it was a four-point game, 74-70, without Aziz and Jamil. Right. And then when they did for 10 minutes, they controlled it. Well, that was, I guess, apparently a lot of young guy on young guy or, like, guys that didn't play in the the first 20 – in the first 40-minute scrimmage. Um, But, I mean, I think that's a pretty good sign, David. I would concur, Chad. Uh, but yes, I also heard that Newman had a rough day in the Maryland scrimmage. So when you posted that, it, I looked at it immediately and was like, "That's not, not what I heard." Wes. <laughs> yeah, that was my. I didn't have a great day today on the word side of things. Oh. Um, and you're, uh, you're our like you're our big big J journalist guy, and you're out there sending. Bad tweets? Come on, Keegan. Yep. If, it, if the boss would have flew him out there instead of made him drive, he might have been a little more fresh. Yeah. I don't. I like I, southwest to southwest to Dallas for cheap, Kansas or to City. Kansas City. I mean, I don't know if I'd want to fly to Kansas City and have a connection. I Kansas think City I'd is easily drive. the worst airport in the country, by the way, for anybody that's ever been there. It's the weirdest. Setup I've ever seen. Not surprising. Never been there. I'm not. It's a like a. It's like a uh, kind of like a U shape, the terminal, and literally there's like 20 feet from where your the jetway is to like leaving the terminal, and the bags just coming into the middle of the terminal. <laughs> it's super strange. You grab your bag you and walk it. Literally walk out the door. Like it's you know you could my house. From front door to like back door is the same distance. It's uh, it's like they built it in a week. They might have been able to. It's not. Right. It's, it's very interesting. But uh, hi everybody. We've been ignoring the chat because we, you know, had a lot to talk about. Hi, Natty Ron, Top G, Ed, Top G. What? Okay, I want. I want to know. Um. Did you, you're like, from Wes's breakout, and you might have already said this while I was dealing with my VPN, so please excuse me. Uh, He said something about, like, or you said something that about Jizzle and, like, his approach being Mm -hmm. different. What what does that mean? Um, He compared him to David to Julius. So he says the best, he says Jizzle is there before practice. He gives 110% during practice and then he's there after practice. So like, and then I asked him, I was like, is that kind of the standard that's been told to him by his hall of fame running back dad? 
Like this is the professional standard if who, you want to have success. Who you called on radio, Ed Jaron? Ed Jaron James. I did. Ed I don't Jaren. even know. Is his middle name? <laughs> Ed J A R R O N. Ed Jaron. Ed Jaron. Oh, that's not a bad enough mispronunciation. Two things with Jizzle. I will never not laugh when like a white guy over the age of 50 has to say his name on a broadcast. It will make me laugh every time. I don't care how old I get. It's going to be funny. And he better be good because I won't call someone Jizzle if they're not good. Bill Rafferty calling him Jizzle is going to be really funny. <laughs> or Dick Vitale when he comes back. Then you get like Jay, with the dish. Jay, Jay Bellis on Big Monday. When when does it like when is the first person that shortens it to like Jizzy? <laughs> I I mean I hope they don't shorten it to Jizz. <laughs> Jizzy with the hizzy and the jumper. <laughs> Jizzy with a little dialogue. Oh, then, then we get Bergen here talking about you know what. <laughs> Bert's not allowed to say jizzle and cream in the same sentence. <laughs> no, he, he's that not. Is, that he is. might not be allowed on the podcast until he, he leaves. <laughs> Ber Berg, late at night after a couple pops, like 11 o'clock after a game. Bending those knees and just, just <laughs> the free throw line. I can't even say it. It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> Oh boy. Um anything else? What else you got? How was how was just interacting? How was the environment? Was it was it big time? Did you feel big time? Like you're a, a real big J journalist? <laughs> um, I will say Big Ten puts on a better show for basketball. Um, and it's not comparable to what the Big 12 does for football, like I wanted to stay at AT&T AT Stadium as long as I could because I, any if I wasn't typing, I could just look around and be like, holy crap, I'm actually in. Okay. But um, it, it was a good setup. I mean, it, it was interesting. There was a lot of uh, really talented people there. Um, Justin Williams stopped any, by. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, he's on the Big 12 beat now. Yeah. So. Did uh, did you get any beef, beef jerky? Never heard of him. Did you get any old I didn't trapper? Get any beef jerky. I didn't get any beef jerky. Oh, oh, you look like a beef jerky guy. I that's like my travel just, snack. Yeah, my you just travel in the car with a with a duffel yeah. bag of beef jerky. Some Bucky's Bucky's beef jerky. That's funny. <laughs> he says, he says the, beef beef jerky and a protein shake, and I'm like beef jerky, uh, a king size take five, and the biggest Mountain Dew you got. <laughs> <laughs> Was there any Gonzaga talk? No. I don't know what that was in reference to. <laughs> but, uh, who was it? Dodd? Somebody said. Well, Dodd started it. Andy Katz commented on it, I think. Yeah. That within the next couple of weeks, it's going to be announced that the Zags are There's... joining the Big 12. Not sure when. Right. Or how that money is going to work, or I potentially, while he's potentially on an SMU type deal where they're like, just let us in. And well, the difference there is they're if they if they took no money from the Big Twelve, 
they would only be losing like a hundred thousand dollars in TV <laughs> revenue TV for their meat deal. Yeah. I heard that they're that uh, Utah might only be in the Big Twelve for four years before they skedaddle to the Big Ten, which I think well, would well, just be the worst move for Utah. Well, if you, if you, I mean, everyone around Utah thinks very highly of, Utah. of themselves. <laughs> <laughs> like they're like they're they're already trying to. That's get not, the like, I'm not even ha ha funny. No. That is, I know. Like, it's, <laughs> like they want the conference championship in Las Vegas. And I'm, I, mean, I would have no problem with that. I would rather go to Las Vegas than Kansas City. But, like, they don't even realize that, like, one of the best programs in the history of college basketball is in the same state. And I'm pretty sure they're going to have the conference championship where Kansas wants to have the damn conference championship. But it's like, no, it's, it's better. Let's go to Vegas where there's six other conference championships going on at the same time. Utah is – like, Utah – the team that essentially killed the Pac-12 after yeah. only being there for like a week and a half. Yeah, because some professor told their president that they that they were yeah. were worth fifty million dollars a year, so he shot down the ESPN's offer. They are coming into the Big Twelve like, okay, this is our conference now. Like, slow the fuck down, relax, <laughs> everybody, relax. Utah, relax. You can make a lot of money, Keegan, probably doing one of those like TikTok things where you act like all the different people in the conference. Oh, uh, yeah. That'd we, need be you one, we need to get you your own TikTok show where you do like a I'm Big good. 12 weekly update. I'm good. I'll take a pay cut to not do that. I, Reagan, like what that the chick that does it for the NFL. What's her name? Annie Agar. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, uh. Reagan could be the Annie Agar of the Big 12. <sighs> You don't like Annie Agar, Dave? I'm all I'm, I'm all set with her. <laughs> she made fun of the Bengals once. No, I, that's not even it. Like, I mean, like your your bit is like get a, get a new new joke. Like, come on. Uh, Natty Ron wants to know: Can UC make the top seven? Sure. <laughs> can they? Sure. Will they? Probably not. Probably top not. Seven like here, what? The Big 12. The Big Twelve. Yeah. Where were you at today? I'm the top seven of a specific conference has never been posed to me of a of a ranking. You've only been doing this for like three months. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, probably somewhere eight to twelve. Seems re. I mean, it's still. We don't know. I mean, tell me uh, if Jamil and Aziz are playing. Right. It's also I feel like, much better about that if one of them or both of them are playing. It's also Davion Thomas could come out and he could either just not be good or he could be super freaking good. So, or what's more likely is he's has ups and a downs. A good player. That looks like he's, you know, playing his first season of major Division One basketball. Where there are nights that he's outstanding, or nights that he's really good, and then nights that you're like, man, they're gonna need, they're gonna need more from Day Day. Yeah. Thanks to Ed and Chelsea for the birthday wishes. It was yesterday, and I'm glad it's over. 
How are you like 56? <laughs> 56. <laughs> Take a hundred dollars off your check for every year that you're wrong. <laughs> so you're he'd be paying you. Right. You owe me a thousand dollars. Two hundred and seventy-three dollars. Uh, Dave's mom said, sorry, Dave ate your birthday cake on the way home from the game Saturday. Happy birthday. Anyway, was it good, Dave? It was good. I just, I, I'm, I can't do, I'm not, I can't do cake at 10 AM. Oh, well, I'm sorry. It just hey, it wasn't, you know, it's all right. Come back Megan, this do you week. Have any cake? We, we got a we got a big tailgate this week. We got a whole nother crew coming in. I wasn't offered cake, but I was offered jello shots and whiskey. <laughs> so. Turn them both it's down. It's the Simone family tailgate. <laughs> <laughs> Food is optional. Drinks, not so much. I was really hoping those birthday croissant things were back, but it was barbecue. It was good. Well, birthday croissant? I don't remember that stuff. From the uh Oklahoma game. Oh, like those. Oh, like, the, the breakfast things. Pastry, you know, with the, yeah, like with the sausage and egg in them. Yeah, cheese. Yeah, I don't know. Those I've not been. Standing. I've not been told yet what we're doing this week. Maybe mom will chime in and and let us know. But is your mom here? <laughs> it looks like another crappy weather game, in for the tailgate at least. Um. Well, all right, Keegan. Do you have to get some rest to drive home tomorrow, Keegan? Are you going to drive no. home now? I'm not driving home. No shot. Chili, let's go. Is it Skyline Chili or is it like regular chili? No, it's regular. It's not meat yeah. sauce. It's actual chili. That's, uh, yeah. I might have to get or get there early and get a bowl of that. Nothing like 10 a.m. Nice big fat bowl of chili, too. Mm-hmm. Since he <laughs> like get to the press chili. box. They're doing loaded nachos with pulled pork. Cincy <laughs> light chili and jello shots. I mean, what how how else would you rather start your <laughs> your day? Uh Chelsea said they're doing cereal and mimosas. To each their own. <laughs> Two very good things. Um, Milk at a tailgate is the wrong choice, a hundred percent of the time. But <laughs> <laughs> it's so only you can do dry cereal. What if you put the mimosas in the cereal? <laughs> Who said you had to use milk? He went to college. <laughs> I mean, for for six years. Yes. <laughs> More six than and more, a half, couple six more. and a half years. A couple more. A couple more. Seven years. Because he was putting the mimosas in the cereal. <laughs> <laughs> you want to stay, Keegan? Like, do you want to stay and, and talk football? Or are you, like, you want to go? I'll talk football. Let me fill in okay. my water bottle. I'll be right back. All right. All right. Are, are we going to do an ad read and start talking some foosball? Yeah. We're going to do an ad read. We are going to do. Uh, hmm. I got to do a timestamp first. Does that sound right? Yeah. 
That could be your Big 12. I mean, there's a Big 12 tip-off. Could be whatever you wanted it to be. Yeah, but we're going to do the the actual football Big 12 one later. Okay, okay. Uh, this timestamp is brought to you by Turtles Brew. 6% ABV, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. It's bourbon-infused sweet tea. They've got cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange, vanilla, lemonade tea, and strawberry mint. There are over 50 locations in greater Cincinnati. Visit turtlesbrew.com for more information and a location nearest you. A portion of the proceeds go to Save the Sea Turtles. They're in Toledo and expanding now in Central Ohio. Go get yourself. It's perfect tailgate uh, beverage. For sure. A little drop of bourbon, a little extra bourbon in there. Give it a little more kick. Have you ready for kickoff at noon. Uh, that brings us into, we'll just, I don't foresee us talking a whole lot of Iowa State. No, that was, why would I want to talk about that? Just ask. Right. So we'll, we'll dabble in that a little bit, and then we'll do the Baylor preview. Uh, that is brought to you. By our good friends at Team Ticker. It is a one-of-a-kind sports sign for Bearcat fans. It's a high-tech retro display that provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, and much more. No subscription required. If you're looking for the perfect addition to your man cave or a gift for that special Bearcats fan, go to TeamTicker.com and pick up your Team Ticker today. Uh, they have also added Michigan State and Penn State, uh, so two of the most morally uh, sound programs in the country, <laughs> uh, along with Cincinnati. You got the C. Paul right there. Aaron's got the Bearcat. Maybe Michigan State should have recruited Jizzle. <laughs> he, he, is, he is not well. <laughs> I've had some heaters lately, boys and girls. You are on one tonight, <laughs> David. Uh, Keegan, are we okay to bring you back in? Okay. I'm yeah. not talking to Dave for five minutes. <laughs> you put Dave in a personal timeout? Personal timeout. You thought you were a big J journalist. <laughs> you, luckily for you, your face wasn't like when that is yeah. flipped, your face was not part of it. Yeah. <laughs> when I was in the background, I made sure to cover my face. Um I I you know, Iowa State, I just don't have a whole lot, Dave. We have <laughs> no you I mean, guys what... did an hour on it on the brunch. We did an hour and a half on it on the BBP. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, it's, it's an like hour and a half Saturday night. Yeah. It's a very, you know, we talked about no big plays, no mistakes. Well, they gave didn't up. make any big plays and they made all of the mistakes. A lot of mistakes gave up a lot of big plays and, you know, you let a, a team that you're pretty comparable with, I think. And you just, you know, you give up a very short field and interception. You give up a really short field on a, kickoff return you do the things that we've all talked about whether it was post game sunday month like 
it's not there's not some big uh, deep dive that needs to be done. It was the you know the first time I think this team really just legitimately played bad. Um, and then when you play bad, but also have everything that happened that happened, yeah, you're going to get blown out. I don't think it matters who you're playing against in this league. Like nobody is dreadful. So, uh, you know, you play like that, even against the middle of the road teams, they're going to whoop you. We talked about their secondary. I mean, I'm not some savant, but like literally told everybody exactly how the shit was going to go. If, if, if UC didn't do the things that we said they needed to do, like you weren't going to throw on them, you were going to need to run it. And they still couldn't even run it against a three, three, five. That's, you know, clamping down, taking away your passing game. So, they didn't do much to try to run it either, really. I mean, well, you got down. So I understand, like, there's not going to be a ton. You were down, you were down, what, 17-7 at halftime. Give up a 70-yard kickoff return to start the second half. Um, that was infuriating. Yeah. I mean, infuriating. After, after you gave up a 40-yarder, we're neither time. The guy ran out of bounds both times. He was never right. actually tackled. I, that, that part, like it just, it, it felt like there were, I guess, and we've talked about, you know, the intensity and whatever, and I think you'll, you'll both agree with me at this. It, it felt like there were four or five times that the team could genuinely have gotten back into that game. Like, even though they had made a bunch of mistakes, even though they weren't, they were not playing well. It was like, okay, like, you know, just coming out of the half for an example, it's 17, seven. Um, get a three and out, decent field position, go get some points. And all of a sudden, like this is right, you know, right where you want it to be in a game that you have not played well. And they didn't do any of it. Like, you know, you, you get the, the touchdown to go up seven to three and they march right down the field. You, you have an opportunity to hold them to a field goal. You have an opportunity to get off the field with an interception they don't do any of it. Then it's 10 seven. Like it just was so many things over and over um, that, that it was frustrating. It was frustrating. Yeah. yeah. I think Dave brought it up with the um, defensive backfield for Iowa state, but they had no chance when it was a passing down. Like when Iowa State knew they were passing, there was no no shot that Cincinnati was going to be able to do anything. So then that magnifies everything else. It magnifies the running game. It magnifies, you know, Emery being able to scramble, which I think he's still doing a decent job at and being able to create some chunk plays with his legs. But yeah, it, it was just all around bad. And I think even on – I can't – there was two – bad place where Iowa State had good field position. One of them was a kickoff return. They didn't score a touchdown no, on that kickoff return. On that drive. And then we went down and yeah. kicked the field goal. So it was it was 20 to 10 with about four minutes to go in the third quarter. So even when like you gave them chances against the defense as well, like or no, it was one where the, the defense did allow them to get into the red zone and then the kickoff return. But you only gave up field goals both those times. And it's like, it, it's like what you said about the dropped interception and the roughing the passer. I think it actually might have been Satterfield that if you give them so many opportunities, they're going to start converting on them. 
So at some point you have to respond offensively to take the momentum away. But if they're just barely scraping by, but then they get the momentum, they're going to start hitting those and they're going to score, going to start scoring touchdowns. Yeah. It was the same drive. You drop interception and then on the next play you have roughing the, or then you have roughing the passer. And then on the very next play, they scored a touchdown. Like, which because the oh, no, there was lost in the backfield. No, or lost in the end zone. No, that was fourth and thirteen. The or no, the, the tight the tight end did get lost in the back of the yeah. end zone on that one too. Yeah, there were yeah. multiple tight ends just that running free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. the tight end in the back of the end zone was third and thirteen, third and goal from the thirteen, and you drop eight, and somehow the guy's standing alone in the back of the end zone. It just didn't cover. You got eight fucking guys back there. Like someone should be able Satterfield, to. I asked him post game, and Satterfield said the guy that was supposed to be covering him just covered somebody else. Yeah. So they were like triple teaming one guy and not guarding another. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that vaunted Iowa State passing game had him, you know, not heads on swivels. Didn't have any idea where anybody was. Three reliefs off the line of the scrimmage. Run a straight line to the back of the end zone. Turn around, wide open touchdown pass. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Sammy Anderson, we've touched on Sammy a bunch. Chelsea, he has an injury above the shoulders. He has not been cleared. He wants to play. He's frustrated that he's not cleared. Um, but if he could play, he's the best defensive back on this team. He would be playing. Period. Like, it's yeah. I, I understand players' frustrations in situations like this, but right. we've talked about this uh, a bunch of times. Aaron Himmler and Bob Mangine are two of the, you know, like most forefront medical staffs in the country when it comes to concussions or head injuries yeah. or whatever. if they don't say, guys, Bob is one of the foremost authorities on concussions in the United States. If they feel like a guy can't play, then I'm going to side with them 100 out of 100 times. Did you get me one of those Big 12 water bottles? Where'd that come I could have. I didn't. Did you get me one? No. Oh, I thought you should have said yes. I didn't want to be that guy. Even if you didn't get me one, you should have just said yes. They, they were all the gift bags sitting around in the empty seats. I didn't want to take one and then just go up to another one and take one. So, sorry. <laughs> you clearly did not go to Big J Journalism School because nobody, right. nobody likes free shit more than journalists. We also clearly have not been around this bunch for long. Um, I'm just going to... If you know, you know. um, To touch on Sammy, there's also... I get that he wants to play now, but there's also the selfish thing of if you were to play now again and get another concussion, that impacts your entire football career for life. Maybe life. If you can wait till maybe next year when the team is in a better spot, you have more chemistry, you're just more seasoned as a coaching staff and as players, and then you can come back completely healthy as the best DB on, on the team, that puts you in a better position for every facet of being a draftable quarterback into the NFL. And by the way, T-Win, no, this is the popcorn from the field suites uh, from last Saturday. 
I can't believe it. picturing you carrying that out. If it's, with your free, if, it's, if it's free, it's for me. It was in your backpack. <laughs> I mean, I can't be too mad at you. I took a chair from Acrisure Stadium. You did take a chair. What is that really your trophy? That's our fantasy league? football trophy. Dante Corleone's yeah. chair. Nice. <laughs> They threw it in the garbage, and Keegan was like, don't mind if I do. <laughs> Who doesn't want a broken folding chair? It's a great fantasy football trophy. If you're, and if you're a bunch from... of UC fans, yeah. You got to get him to sign it, though. So, yeah, he does need it. to sign it. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to say about Iowa State. I'm hoping that you can chalk that up as just a – a bad game, you're going to have them. You're going to have them when you have a new coaching staff and a new transition and, and a whole a bunch of new players. Like, whether it's a win or loss, like, you're just going to have a game like that, I think. And hopefully that's the case. Now, if it's – if they come out this week against a team that I do not think is very good at all and that happens again, then I'm going to have some some serious questions and concerns. Right. And because I'm not saying a week where you were flat, you yeah, better not I, be flat I, twice in a row. And I don't say this as like, I think UC is going to dominate Baylor or something like they're not playing that well right now either. But like, if you give me that same type of game against a Baylor team that is also struggling mightily and, and struggling in some areas that you should be able to exploit, then, then yeah, I'm going to, we're going to have some conversations. All right. Well, then let's get to Baylor. Noon, Saturday, ESPN Plus. Dave was uh, interested in that choice. Oh, yeah. In an mm-hmm. ESPN Plus game. 3.30 would have been nice, but, you know. It is I mean, we, it is. we, you know, it's, I don't think it's a huge secret, but, like, the – administration athletic department would like every game at three 30 and the coaches and staff would like every game at noon. Yeah. Well, yeah. If they could choose. Yeah. And the fans would like every game at seven. The, the younger ones. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I, I'm starting to, to, you know, Morph into the three thirty ones because, uh, <laughs> you know, it gets a little late. But I, I don't getting mind. Home at eleven thirty, it's not Dave's thing. I like the noon games now though because we're like getting into some good other games, and you can go home and, and watch those. So yeah, the three. Well, I mean, if you had a TV at the tailgate, you could. Uh, yeah. You could maybe watch yeah. some games in the car before the game. Right. But, but no, but um, I mean, yeah, I do, we go through this every, every week. I kind of give a look at from a data analytic metrics side of things. We'll start with SP plus. This, this will be interesting. Keegan worked on, are, are you done with it? Like where are you at on the preview? Have you done your Baylor homework yet? Nope. No. You want to know why? Because I wasn't at the Tuesday presser to get the 50-page packet on all the Baylor stuff that I use every week, which I didn't. You can just steal you know, all this. 
So yeah, now this actually is good. You'll have questions for Dave, and Dave can lead you through the Baylor preview that'll be up sometime. I'm gonna get my notes out on my phone. Okay. But anyway, SP plus UC took quite a dive as you can expect after what the performance last week. They're 63rd, Baylor's 71st. There's a huge gap between UC and Baylor on FPI. UC still top 50. They're 45th. Baylor's all the way down to 81. Uh, Sager and UC's 10 spots ahead, 58 to 68. And then on K Ford, UC's 56 and Baylor's 83rd. So, you know, some of these have UC slightly of uh, better teams. Some of them have them considerably a better team. Um, I'm not sure I'd go with the considerably part. I would I would put them in the in the slightly to moderately category. Um, Baylor's offense, and this is where I'm concerned because UC's run defense is first in the conference yards per carry and first in the conference yards per game. I just don't think teams are going to bother running the ball anymore because they don't really have to. Now they will if it's third and two maybe, or, you know, they're not going to totally abandon the run. But Baylor has not been good running the ball. Uh, Against Texas Tech last week, their running backs had 15 carries for 37 yards. (laughs) Uh, no, no, none of their running backs are averaging over 4.8 yards a carry, and they don't have a single rush over 32 yards. So, like, them being bad at running the ball doesn't really matter because – and us being good at stopping the run doesn't really matter because I don't think they're really going to run it. Because Blake Shapin, their quarterback, is healthy. He's playing pretty well since he's come back. I think they're still bad on offense because they can't run it, and it makes them uber one-dimensional. But – 62%, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He has been sacked 12 times, and Baylor's given up 18 sacks. And they're 14th in the conference in tackles for loss allowed. So the defensive line has been more missed than hit, in my opinion, lately, and that cannot be the case Saturday. Like, they have to dominate these guys. Could be a big confidence builder going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a group that hasn't lived up to expectations in terms of getting into the quarterback at all. Right. So and if, if, if a team is giving up 18 sacks and can't run the ball and then we can't get pressure or we can't get tackles for loss and put them into to bad situations, then it spells another kind of Iowa State situation because they do have some decent receivers. Monterey Baldwin is averaging 23.8 yards a catch. So, so get ready for that 75-yarder over the top because uh, they're certainly going to try it. Uh, Keytron Jackson, UC fans should be familiar with. He's an Arkansas transfer. He's got 15 catches for 235, and then they, ha- they use a tight end fairly often. Drake Dabney, 15 catches for 202 yards, leads the team with three touchdowns. So, I, ju- I mean, I just think they're going to let Shapen throw it and do a lot of quick stuff and do a lot of stuff over the top to keep the defensive line from, you know, potentially wreaking havoc against their suspect offensive line. Yeah, that's where – go ahead, Chad. I just wanted to clarify something with Dave real quick. So it's possible to be dominant against the run, uh, only playing a three-man front, because I was told that was uh, physically impossible and it never happened in the history of football. 
It, it appears to be possible. UC's, yeah. you know, UC's been quite good against the run. Um, but uh, well, I just remember the past two and a half years, all oh, we yeah. heard was that you you can't stop the run in a three three five. And now that they're doing it at an elite level, I was just making sure it was allowed. I didn't know if it was against. Yes. No. Nope, or... nope. Very much allowed. Okay, you two carry on. <laughs> um. But what I was going to say is I feel like the big play thing, it's not, I don't think it's being talked about enough that missing that other true like DB safety when you kind of replace it with the star position mm-hmm. and Sean Pace hasn't been great in pass coverage, but he's been pretty elite in rush defense, which is probably why they're so good. But I think missing that true safety is really hurting them in that area. And I think that's somewhere where Baylor could find the Bearcats vulnerable on Saturday. Yeah. I mean, the secondary has been shaky all season. You know, mm-hmm. Byron, you know, Brian Threats is expecting more from him coming back at safety. I just, you know, Chad and I have talked about it too much. It's like, the quarterbacks for the other team are only com- are not completing more than 15 passes because they don't have to because they're averaging like 15 yards of completion. Yeah. And they're just they're they're good for two or three big plays a game that put the other team in scoring range and we haven't been able to to kind of keep those from happening and I don't know if you know, in this situation, like, I, and I'm not advocating for something that they've never worked on because that would be foolish. But like, if you're going up against a team that doesn't really run the ball very well at all and has a hard time protecting the quarterback, wouldn't this be kind of the time to play like some cloud coverage, cover three, and just say like. We're not going to let them throw it over our head. Their line, we, we're only going to pressure. We're only going to send three, four, maybe sometimes five because we feel we can get there with those guys. We have an advantage there. And we're just going to force them to do what teams have kind of forced UC to do and just say you're just – if you want to score a touchdown, it's going to take you 14 plays and seven minutes. But I don't know. If, I don't know if that's something that we do. Like, I don't know if that's in the bag, so to speak. Like, do you just play man and you just live and die with playing man? And you know, I know we do a lot of like, I don't know what the proper term is, but like rotating. Like, you'll give a they'll give a look pre-snap that makes it look like single high, and then at the snap they'll drop and it'll end up being cover two. I don't know if we're doing too much of that, and guys aren't getting getting to spots in time. I feel like that was an issue with like the pit games. A couple of those touchdowns felt like we were just late getting out to those receivers. Um, Yeah. And I think when you say like, can we, can they just play a cloud coverage? I think that's easier said than done. I I also, but I'm, I'm not saying that, that you're wrong. I'm saying that because UC hasn't shown that they can literally just execute the defense that is called. Right. Like they can't show that they're on the same page. The linebackers are on the same page as the DBs, the corners as the safeties. So 
I think the more you ask this Cincinnati defense to think and make sure they're in the right place, um, I think the more of the offense is going to be able to take advantage of them. And I mean, it's not like, it's not like they've been lauded for their execution, especially in the preseason. It was, you know, Brian Brown is going to let these guys fly around and make plays. Yeah. I don't think you've seen that aggressiveness. I don't think you've seen just, I don't think you've seen Dwan Br- Briggs, Dante Corrion, or Eric Phillips just destroy people, get to the quarterback. So they're missing that facet, which is supposed to make up for what they might lack in the defensive backfield and then pass coverage. Yeah. I mean, if you're a man team, a predominantly man team, and it would be very, it would be very difficult to just all of a sudden go, yeah, we're just going to start playing zone. Those guys would struggle mightily. Like, uh, so I under I understand that part, but like, I think I've talked about this a couple times. But like, you still need to have like another pitch. Yeah. Like, you can't just say like we're not good at this, so we're just going to keep doing the thing that, or, or we're worse at this than the thing that we've that we do so we're just going to keep doing the thing that we do and hope that we we get better or the offense makes you know throws a bad ball or something like i don't think that's the way to really (laughs) to really go about it and win like very few defenses are good enough it in college to just be like and we even saw it last year i think like Fickle wanted to keep doing exactly what had been successful in 2020 and 2021. And we didn't have the dudes that we had in 2020 and 2021. And it wasn't as simple to just say like, this is what we're going to do. And you, you might know exactly what we're going to do and it's not going to matter because our guys are better than your guys. We're not in that situation now. So sometimes you got to, you know, it is all about the, you know, the Jimmy's and the Joe's, but sometimes you got to scheme them up a little bit. And, and show teams some things that maybe they aren't ready for. Even if you're not 100% confident that, that your guys can pull it off, if you show somebody a look that is new, like they're going to be con- confused as well. Yeah. And I think that like what you just mentioned, it's a big thing that is was taken for granted when see went on that really big run of just having a bunch of guys that could go up and make plays. Like having an Alec Pierce that you could just throw it to the end zone and one-on-one and he's probably going to catch it. Or like uh, Jerome Ford who could bust for 50 yards easily and then all of the guys on defense. It's just guys who wouldn't be denied. And I think I think this team's playing with maybe a lack of confidence and maybe um, pressure from the home crowd of, you know, these people have been used to winning a lot of games and maybe – they aren't seeing it as that home support. They're seeing it as we have to play perfect because that's what they expect week in and week out. And they might be playing um, on their heels a little bit. I mean, I I don't know if anybody's expecting perfect. If you're expecting perfect this year, then, then, then I'm not sure we're, we're looking at the same football team coming into the season, but like, yeah, there's an expectation of winning and, and playing good, but like, there's also, I think a pretty good understanding from a vast majority of the fan base that like everybody, most everybody's first year as a head coach at UC has been at least in the, you know, in we'll call it the modern UC football era where the university actually gave a crap and the fan, (laughs) the fans started giving a crap. Like everybody's first year kind of sucked. 
Like mm-hmm. so, this so them not being great this first year is is not a surprise, shouldn't be a surprise. But there's still elements inside of that and inside of the games that that I'm left kind of you know like scratching my head at as as being a novice football fan and and obviously not seeing practice and not seeing game plans and not talking to coaches. And it's very easy for me to go like, well, just play some cloud coverage and make them throw it underneath. And they might go, yeah, we tried that like three times in the spring and it was a fucking disaster. (laughs) So, so that's why we're not, not doing that. And I'd be like, yeah, that would make sense. Cause if I tried that and it was a disaster, I probably wouldn't do that either. Yeah. Uh, So. I love this one. I want to talk about this one. What's that? Satterfield throwing guys under the bus in public. Uh, probably not something to say out loud in the media. Uh, he was right. If you're too soft that you can't hear the truth, sorry. Like, do you think the, the things Nick Saban says in the media is for the media? Right. He's talking to his team. He's trying to get one of those guys to break a 50-yard fucking touchdown run. And I'm not comparing Scott Satterfield and Nick Saban. But these coaches are not talking to us, the media. They're talk. They're using us as a way to talk to their teams. <laughs> like uh, um, Scott Satterfield may have compared himself to Nick Saban yesterday on the Scott Satterfield radio show. Oh, he did. Because he brought up that he lost to Louisiana Monroe in his first year at Alabama. <laughs> so did Nick. Then they're they're, they're, they're no, right he was on. Saying Nick Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe yeah. in his first season at Alabama. Yeah. So, yeah, they're right on. They're right on the same trajectory. <laughs> my thing on that, you guys know my thing on that. Everybody wants coaches to not. I hate coach speak. I wish she would just answer. And then when they answer, oh fuck! I can't believe he answered. You can't say that. Pick one. I, I, at this point in co- with co- with college athletics, it's like pseudo pro. If you can't handle right. the coach saying what what he's telling you behind closed doors. If you can't handle him also saying that in, to the media, then then what are we doing? Like, then go yeah. go to go transfer to UD or Wittenberg or something and play D. Like, this like we're trying to win national championships. If that bothers you that much, you ain't the type of dude that's going to win me a damn national championship. Yep, I concur. Uh, and yes, Todd, the knack on Brown defenses were giving up the big plays. At the expense of piling up sacks and getting turnovers. Yeah. Like last year, they led the nation in sacks and tackles for loss, and then and gave up, also gave up a bunch of big plays. We're not getting those this year, so you can't have can't keep giving up the big plays and then take away that other part. Right? You can't if you're a a boomer bust. There needs to be some boom. Yeah, you can't <laughs> take away the boom. I need some booms. That's just fucking bust. You know who we should hire? Will Muschamp. Bring Coach Boom in here. We'll get the boom. <laughs> Can I click the he's not Nick Saban this morning? He's not. But they're, <laughs> Thanks. they're doing that's what they that's what coaches do. Right. <laughs> uh, play for UD and Wittenberg. Dave was the uh, line of the year. That's John Cunningham's cousin. Of when John Cunningham said, I hired Scott Satterfield, he said, he's not Nick Saban. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But let's see. Defensively, I mean, they... They, they got. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Kinda. Like, and that's the thing, is like, three guys have two sacks each. They have 12 total sacks, four interceptions. Uh, Corner Caden Jenkins has two of those. Uh, Pretty good linebacker in Matt Jones, leading tackler. But like... So their rush defense in the big is 13th in the Big 12. It's 13th in yards per carried allowed, 4.89. It's dead last in yeah. yards yards per game allowed at 184. They've allowed 14 rushing touchdowns. They're 12th in tackles for loss. So, like, if we can't run the damn ball this week, we ain't running it the rest of the year. Point blank. End of story. You think that's staff that's looking down there and going, man, I wish Monty was, was ready. Wish Monty could go. Yeah. What's, what's up with him and Ethan? What Hurt. Monty's yeah. been hurt since the 100-yard game. He's yeah. But uh, their pass defense is third in yards per game, but I think that's because the, the people just run the ball on them. Right. And they get up I me and they've been down in most of their games outside of the – well, no, they were down in the in – the, um, UCF game and then came back, but like down as big as you can be. Teams haven't had teams haven't had to throw because they've gotten leads and then they've just ran the ball. Right. Um, You know they're tied with you, but then again their their pass defense isn't great. Like they're tied with UC for 13th in yards per attempt allowed at 8.4, so they're hardly giving up any yards. But when they do, it's a big, it's a significant gain. They're 11th in QB. QB rating allowed. Um, and they stink in the red zone. They're 13th in the red zone and 14th in uh, touchdown percentage in the red zone offensively. So we get we get the stoppable object against the movable force. Yeah. And they're they're 13th in they're 13th stoppable in touch. Object. Yeah, there's they're 13th in touchdown percentage allowed in the red zone. So if we can get to the red zone, we should be able to score touchdowns this week. Oh, I never heard that before. <laughs> I don't know that it's a thing. I, I just made it just pop in my that's, head. That's funny. That sounds like the stoppable object against the movable force. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, mo- multiple times listening to things, other shows, other college football things, I've heard people talking about their defenses, like, small. Like, do the, like I think one joke was, like, do these guys even know where the weight room is? I think they have – I think Ouch. they have – I think they have one defensive lineman in the rotation that's over 280. Like, it seems that they're really missing uh, Siaka Ika, who was drafted by the Browns, and, Jackson, and Jackson Player from last year's team. Like, yeah, Jackson Player was a monster. They're, I think they're, you know, up the middle defensively. They just don't have the D tackles right now. Um Jeffrey wants to know what was better, Baylor over UCF or Stanford over Colorado? Stanford over Colorado, and it's not even a competition. And that's a distant second to my answer. What's your answer? Pitt over Louisville. Yeah, that was an interesting one. It's the smirk you have every time. Oh, keep going, Dave. I'm sorry, I didn't mean. No, but no, that's that's kind of. I mean, it's a broken record, but like, if we don't give up the big play in the passing game, or limit the amount of big plays in the passing game, 
and don't make you know if, if Emery can end his streak of throwing balls to guys dropping in zones that he has no business throwing, then then I think we should win this game because like like I said, if we can't run the ball in this game, like we're not going to run it really for, of any value the rest of the year more than likely. Oh, and special teams needs to really, really stop sucking dick. <laughs> like, I can't be more blunt than that. It's terrible, right? No, now. you can't. I don't know that you can possibly be more blunt than that. I mean, am I wrong? That's, it's blunt on the scale of... Um, uh, <laughs> blunt, bluntness? On the blunt scale, that's like a Cohiba. Am like, I wrong? That, no. No. You're not. I'm just saying that was like I, I'm. Per- I look. I looked it up. I'm pretty sure we're dead last in the conference in all kickoff stats. Mystical thinks that was blunt. <laughs> I just picture myself like applying for a job in the future, and then they just They're like send us some of your work. Clip that. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask you about this. <laughs> Send us, and I now, didn't say it. Now, now everybody knows exactly why we don't do the uh, one hour on the 24-7 network podcast. <laughs> oh, that's funny. But, like, I mean, if, if you're – like, when you're struggling in there – the, I mean, you don't even have to win it. Just don't Can't have – dominated, right. Just don't – don't don't be a, a nothing on on kick and punt return, and then on on kickoff, like you just can't. They, I mean, it's just it's so frustrating because I don't even think most colleges are like trying to get yards on kickoff return. Like they're just expecting you to kick it in the end zone or kick it high and make them call yeah you know, make them call fair catch it like the three or whatever. Take the ball at the twenty five. And we just go on with our offense, and we can't even execute that. Yeah, special teams has been rough for a couple of weeks. Like, I mean, look, you, you can't. I talked. We talked about this with the Royer on Monday. Like, you can't go from what we saw with Brian Mason running special teams uh, three years ago to this, like. Well, that's the thing. It's like lots of teams, even the even the best teams in the country, are just fine on special teams. Like not every team is awesome on offense, defense, and special teams. So right. like you can get you can be a very very good team with just being fine. Like you know, you just I mean you can't give up two forty plus you yeah one seventy but like. Against an offense that is not very dynamic, you're just handing them field goal range right away. Right. I still, man, I can't remember the last time I was as just befuddled as seeing that opening kickoff of the second half go 72 yards. Yeah, and it's just, it's not even like... It wasn't. It, they were. It was the two kickoff returns were the exact same. The guy just started on one side of the field and like gradually made his way to the other side and didn't like break any major tackles. He just kind of ran through people and then you know, I'm really not sure anybody touched him at all. He just ran like ran out of bounds both times. Yeah, yeah. It's not. 
They got to get that fixed. Bad. Quick. Fast. Like, has there been a good punt return this year? Uh, I mean, punt return, I'm almost to the point now where I'm just like, just don't fumble the ball. But that's, but yeah. I've had that opinion for a long time. Like, college kickers are just, they're just kicking it 40-ish yards as high as they can and making you call a fair catch. Like, you know, very few have a true weapon at punter. Um, so I'm not expecting, like, a, a bunch of big returns in the punt game. I'm more disappointed in the kickoff coverage and the fact that, like, when we do return kicks, we're not even coming close to getting it out past the 25-yard line. Like, I, I'm not – again, we're novices. I'm not sure what they see in Xavier Henderson being the kickoff return guy. Straight line speed, I guess, is – but he, but he slipped. But like, as he approaches the, I, I, the herd I'm, I'm of people, I'm just giving you one answer. That's the only right. answer I can think of, Dave. That's all Great well answer. and good if there's a hole, you know, the size <laughs> of the Ohio River. But it seems like as he approaches the herd of people, he almost like comes to a complete stop. You think he could run through one of those bay windows that Keegan's got there? Mm, that would probably hurt. I mean, if he had a gap that <laughs> sized, yeah. Yes, I would hope so. I just never thought like that type of guy, that type of it's not an Xavier Henderson thing. I've just never thought that type of guy was a was a kickoff a kickoff guy. I, yeah, yeah. I don't disagree with you there. It's usually the the five eleven got some wiggle to him type guys. Like I would think like and I you know, and I don't again, this is totally spitballing and hypotheticals, but like I would I would have thought like a Manny Covey could be like a, a kickoff type guy or a Barry Jackson. Aaron Turner, um, Barry Jackson. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron Turner, Braden, Braden, obviously, you know, would, you know, him like that type of, that type of guy more than your six, you know, your six, four long striding uh, wide receiver. How many starters are playing on special teams this year? It doesn't feel like a ton. Like, I, I know, like, the Gunners are not starters. Um, like, the main – they are not using in the main special teams roles starters. I've seen Raekwon Atkins out there quite a bit. Uh, Oliver Bridges had the one uh, big tackle on a punt return. So, it looks like they're using that, like, a lot of – especially yeah. in, like – the important spots they're using guys that are and, just and, off the and I, I think that's starter because, line. I think that's because of depth. Yeah. I mean I don't, you can't I don't think this team can afford there, right? to put your starters out on on even more plays and on special teams right now. Yeah. You need them to go out there and be disappointing on the uh, other place. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Sucker. Iowa State's performance still has me. It should, man. Like, you know, there's there's a point where I think you can you can swallow and understand what this season was more than likely going to look like. Yeah. But from a win and loss standpoint, and. But there's still the fact of the matter of watching the game and watching how it unfolded and knowing that those two teams were were very similar Even. to each other yeah. 
And like I said Sunday morning, like I don't think Iowa State's 20 points better than UC. No. But when you do all the things that they did and, and you, you know, they're not correcting the errors that they're making week, week in and week out. That's why I'm worried that it doesn't matter that Baylor can't run the ball because they're not even going to try. I mean, Dave Veranda this week in his press conference, he was asked about how they can can generate more out of the running game. And he said, we're going to throw it to run it. Sure, yeah, like, yeah. He basically said, like, we're just going to use the passing game as an extension of the running game. Uh, a huge change in special teams philosophy then? Well, Paul, a huge change in philosophy on special teams from years four, five, and six of the Luke Fickle era. But if you rewind and go look at 2017 and 2018, guess who were on special teams? Kobe Bryant. Yeah, all the, all the Derek, Derek Forrest. Forrest. Yeah. All of those young guys cut their teeth in the early part of the Fickle era on special teams. Alec Pierce was a gunner uh, before he really broke into the rotation at wide receiver. Uh, and Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott were, were on special teams before they were regulars. So, no, it's not really a huge change in philosophy because those veterans that you're thinking about were not starters. Yeah. When they earn their their spot on special teams. The best teams use their starters because they have that luxury because they have solid depth behind them. And they're not they're not necessarily worried. They're worried. I mean they don't want an injury to a starter. Sure. But they're like, you know, but if you but if you have the gave... if you have the Luke Fickle one A, one B philosophy, you're like, okay, my one A went down, but my one B's almost just as good. And a lot of those guys also proved they were elite special teams players. Yeah. So there so was a value in making sure that they were on the field in special teams. Like they mm-hmm. were difference makers. So that's why you kept them on the field. They earned that equity. Um, so, no, I don't think it's that different. I think it's time changes memory. And you forget now that Derek Forrest and Kobe Bryant hardly played any corner or safety as freshmen, but they played extensively on those special teams units. So I I think it's important that when we go through these exercises like that, we remember that year six of Luke Fickle comparing it to year one of anyone is a little disingenuous. Uh, And I would agree with that, Paul. That was my, like, Keegan can attest to this. Saturday night, that was my main gripe. It was the first tall, all, time all season where it didn't look like they came to play. It looked like coming off they, a bye and a three-game losing streak. There's again. They started here. like they were ready to play, and then when the first sign of adversity hit, it was like right. there was no like, okay, guys, there's still a lot of game left. Like, yeah, that happened. No problem. Adversity, all the blah, 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 cliche, coach speak, whatever. Like, it was just like, nope, we're just not, we're not here for this the rest of today now that now that things haven't gone perfect and and that's on everybody like you can't yes players need to be self-motivated but coaches also need to be able to push the right buttons when they see things like that happening on their sideline and they clearly just weren't able to do that last week right yeah i saw it and i told chad this on the nightcap after the game but i saw it from the moment that they came on the field before the game 
It's like they were kind of just jogging, you know, yeah, it's sunny outside, we're jogging, and then you're going to go, like, just kind of slap hands at the student section and then go to the sideline. And I'm like, it's homecoming. You're wearing – one, you're wearing red jerseys, so that's our, that should already make it special. Two, it's homecoming. You're coming off three-game losing streak, so your mindset is automatically we have to prove everyone wrong. So we have to prove to everyone that we are still a good football team. You should be skipping. You should be screaming, running into people. You should be like biting at the at the bit for that kickoff. Chomping at the bit, some might say. Chomping at the bit, whatever, whatever. I'm not good with words. Um, (laughs) So I'm. It's part of your job, right? I'm going to be looking at their their entrance onto the field, and that will tell me what the pregame locker room speech was, whether it was from Satterfield, whether it's from a player, even though the vocal leadership has kind of been down, as Satterfield said on Tuesday. Um, but I'm going to be looking at how they come onto the field, for how, how excited they are to play Baylor. Dave, you got anything else? Any miscellaneous special teams? Anything kind of no. dry? No, I don't. I don't think so. Um, you know, I think it's going to be. I think it could be a little bit of this. You know, it's weird to say this after last week, but I think it could be a little more of a higher scoring game because I think they're going to hit their big plays, and if we can run the ball, um, I think there. I think it could be a little more more back and forth in this one. But no. Yeah. I mean, their offense, and I know it's gotten a little better with their quarterback back, but there was there was a while their offense was like literally off the charts bad. Well, yeah, I mean, they, they they're still. I mean, we're not a, a whole lot better, but I mean, they are a very they have a very ugly win at home against Long Island University, and a twenty six point comeback. You know, on the road at yeah. UCF, so it's like. Yeah, you know, we have an uh, FCS win and a win at Pitt, so it's not like it's too too different. But I think the difference is in even in some of UC's losses, we felt like they were at least they played well enough to win if they had done some other things better. I'm not sure you could really say that in any of Baylor's other games, like the Utah game that had a wild ending. They probably should have won that game, but like. Texas Tech blew them out. Texas blew them out, and they looked god awful week one. And that's you know six weeks ago. But week one against Texas State, they were dominated. I mean, up and down the field with a quarterback that couldn't play at Auburn, transfers to Texas State and whooped them. Right. So I mean, there's there's certainly this week there are certainly plays to be made out there. Is a totally different defense than what UC saw last week. As in, one was very good, and the other one is very not good. Yeah. Uh, Matt, I I think this is where I think this game is critical. Because I do think a lot of confidence uh, is shook, not only like here, but you could tell it was shook on the team last week. Uh, If they come out and look like they give a shit, and can beat Baylor, I mean, I think that at least, uh, I don't want to say it swings in the other direction, but at least hedges for a week. 
and get you to that, you know, back part of the schedule where there are still some games that this team has a pulse that they can win. If they come out and look bad against Baylor, then I'm with you. Like, I'm not ready to make that leap just yet. But, and it's his post was, after last week's game, I think it's going to take another season or even two to get back on track to compete in the Big 12. I mean, they competed with Oklahoma, who's top five in the country. Like, I don't think they're miles away from no. competing. I don't but either. if they get skunked by Baylor, if they get smoked by Baylor, then we're having different conversations next week. I'm not there yet, and I think these two would agree with me. But another performance at home that looks like Iowa State, there's some difficult conversations to be had. Right. I mean, that's why I said earlier, like, having one in a season with the new staff roster transition and a transition to a better conference, if I, having one stinker was absolutely in the cards. Like, that, was, that shouldn't have surprised anybody. But – if you then follow that up with another one against a team that I don't think is playing as good, nearly as good as Iowa State is right now at home, then then we're questioning a lot of things. You know, right. we're questioning a lot of elements of the program, and and if things are you know, is this just a year one thing, and or is are there other issues going on? So yeah, I mean you you can lose to Baylor. I'm not even saying they're gonna beat Baylor, but if it's if it looks a lot like the other games and it's a close game and you make some mistakes, like I, I understand that's part of the uh that's part of the deal, but you can't come out and look like you did last week. Right. Right. Keegan, anything else to add? Nothing you stuck else around. Happened. Like you stuck around, you gotta give your thoughts. That's why you stuck around. Is this a must win, Keegan? Is this a must win? I'm going to give a Tom Allen answer and say every game is a must oh, win. And it's the most important game of the season. The next game. Yeah, get him out of here. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake. L-E-O. What I will say is Did you I get that I, response from Ed Jaron James. Is that I you know what I'm not even gonna be mad about that because it wasn't that wrong. Okay. Um it and also also you spelled my name wrong on the website and made Mo say my name wrong in front of an entire radio audience of Cincinnatians. So we're we can can think of them now. What what is um, it? What how do I properly pronounce your name? No, it's it's that's how you pronounce it, but how do you spell it? Like Knicks, like the New York Knicks. Right? No, nope. <laughs> no, I I know. <laughs> um, I will not. Nickerson. No, I will not be picking the Bearcats to win another game until they prove me otherwise. Because I think the the trend of what they the product they've put on the field is the variety of this looks like it could like progressively get worse. So that's. I, I mean, I don't disagree because, like, yeah, kind of, you have to show me that you're fixing the issues that have illed you for how many weeks in a row now. And if you, you know, you came out and you played like that last week, why and you know, 
outside of just saying like Baylor is not very good, that to me that's like not a, a good enough reason to just all of a sudden think that that things uh, are going to drastically change. But I do think that uh, I will pick the Bearcats this week because if I if I don't pick them this week and they lose, I might not be picking them again the rest of the year. So I'm gonna get that one in. Uh, so uh, I. Um. I, I I will pick the Bearcats. I will say they win twenty-seven to twenty-three. Not, so this looks like a Tom Allen team. They're not as bad as a Tom Allen team because there isn't a quarterback competition going on in Week Seven to the point where he has to go on his radio show and say we have a quarterback for Week Seven, but we're not telling anyone who it is. Like it would matter, just I mean, like he did before the past two seasons. It doesn't make any sense. Isn't doesn't he have to be fired because of Michael Penix? Uh, are they are are, are Indiana people spending twenty five million dollars on him to go away? 20, 20, I 20. don't think you for that mistake you, you might have to, Dave. I don't think any of you understand how insane it is that that man went from twenty twenty one Indiana to Heisman favorite and possibly the first overall pick. In this NFL draft, yeah, that's a referendum on the coaching at Indiana. I know he was well, yeah, so bad. He was so bad. We know. <laughs> we saw. I was, I was there. I watched him. He won't be the first overall pick. And the only reason he might be the first overall pick is because Caleb Williams keeps asking for more every week, despite losing to Notre Dame. Caleb Williams shouldn't even be the first overall pick, regardless of what he's asking for. Drake May. Um, Boom! Drake May you got it. I can't and remember Ch- what else. Chad knows I'm good at identifying the QBs. I'm the I was driving the burrow train. Oh yeah, because you were the only one doing that. So. Uh in this town, it wasn't as this lock shot. Lock when shot when were you driving the burrow train? Texas game. After Three months. Game. Three months before three months before anybody in the city still was because they were still talking about drafting freaking Chase Young. Yeah, I was. <laughs> it was. So you had we have the recipients. Okay, I believe you. I'm just and, saying and when they drafted Burrow, I said they would draft Chase the next year. Oh, I I, I will fully admit that I thought they should have drafted um whatever his name is. Chase Young? No, the tackle. Oh, uh, Penny Sewell. Penny Sewell, which I don't think would have been a bad pick, no, but absolutely Jamar not. Chase does way too much for the offense. Absolutely not. Me and Dan Horde had – I convinced Dan Horde to be on Team Chase. <laughs> at, at UC's, All at I UC, needed to see was that – UC spring football practice. <laughs> All I, I needed there, to I see it. was that meme of the offensive lineman blocking and – Oh, it's it's a it's line. a hilarious meme, but if they had drafted Sewell, guess where they wouldn't have gone in twenty twenty one? The Super Bowl. Exactly. <laughs> um, what I what I went back to you. But yes, I'm a huge Drake May guy. He makes some throws. He made some throws against two weeks ago. Not the Miami game that I was watching two weeks ago. That I was just like, oh my god. I think Caleb Williams has too much, if you want to say moxie, to not go first overall. I mean, I still think he probably will, but I, I'm a Drake. I will 
I will plant my flag on, on Drake May. Um, back to UC. Chad, do you think, and both of you, do you think Emery is way too run happy? I don't think he is. Uh, I don't think the bat doesn't look like from a layman. It doesn't look like he gets to the backside of his reads before he decides to run. I don't think he gets to the second read. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess well, the question... uh, hot read, check down, run. Like, I think that's his progression, and I'm sure some of that has to do with well, it's getting it's getting have, sped up because yeah, I mean, how how, how much there. time does he have to get to to right. get to many more than a first or sec a first or second but read? Right now, it looks like snap, first read, directly to the check down, and then run. That's what it looks like. So what's which this kind of feeds into what Satterfield said up to the game, but what's happened to Xavier Henderson, who was just wide open all the time? Well, why was what did we talk about as to why he was wide open all the time? Teams were playing off, playing free release and giving him eight yards, and him and Emory were just taking it. Like that's one of the reasons their passing numbers look like they do, because they were just uncontested eight yard games all the way to the red zone. And then they would get to the red zone. The coverage comes closer because you don't have to worry about him beating you over the top. But I don't know, like, here's where we're at, Keegan. Why would you play off? Right. Now, they haven't shown any ability to connect over the top, so you're playing closer. Even if you're off, instead of eight yards off, you're five, you're four. So now that dig route, that you just go exactly to where the corner was because instinctively at the snap, the corner backpedals three or four yards and waits. And you go to eight yards, you turn around, boom, the ball's there. You've moved the ball eight yards, nine yards. Um, I don't think they're going to get that much. Like, do you disagree with me, Dave? I don't think they're going to get that much anymore. No, I, I think the pro- one of the problems, and I'll, I'm going to watch this more so Saturday is, I don't think they really stress the middle of the field at all, whether it's on crossers or seams. And I just think like safeties are, are just flying up and they're shutting down the run lanes. And so it's, it's just very, I think I've said this several times, like it's very easy to play defense against them right now. Like you're, you're not worried about like, because whether it's because of time or guys getting open, like I don't think defenses are worried about somebody running by their corners and, and getting beat over the top. So they're not giving them those, those cushions anymore. They're not giving them those easy, you know, stop routes and, and things like that. Because they're like, well, we're not worried about them going over the top, so stop giving them the easy stuff, and then what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we're just not we're not stressing. I mean, there's I mean, we could I could get into a whole nother podcast about the things that we're not doing offensively to put any pressure on defenses, but we've already been talking for an hour and forty five minutes, so. I mean, with with this offense, it's it's never been a secret. It all starts with the run game. 
And it doesn't really matter what the quarterback can or can't do if you can't, you know, if you're not getting to the edge in a wide zone running game and you're not breaking some bigger runs and forcing linebackers to not just fly up at the snap of the ball and not forcing safeties to run up because they're worried about getting caught up in the wash, then it's very easy to play pass defense. Right. All right. I think are we I think we're good on Baylor. Dave, um, you're you're taking a Bearcats 27-23 victory. Sure. You can tell I'm uber, uber confident. So it's not a a glowing ringing endorse ringing uh, endorsement. Yeah, yeah, that was not a ringing endorsement by any stretch of the imagination. I know. All right, let <laughs> let's timestamp it. This timestamp, as always, brought to you by Turtles Brew. Six percent ABV, zero sugar, zero carbs, gluten free, bourbon infused sweet tea, cherry lime, raspberry peach, orange vanilla, uh, lemonade, iced tea, and strawberry mint. 50 locations in greater Cincinnati. If you want to find a location near you, go to turtlesbrew.com. A portion of the proceeds go to save the sea turtles. They're in Cincinnati, Toledo, and expanding in central Ohio. Um, Simone family tailgate, Dave. It's uh, it's chilly. So a little, yep. a, a little morning. Is it a chilly cook-off or is it just chilly? I don't, I don't believe there's a contest. I, I don't believe there's prizes given out, but um, there might be multiple, there might be multiple varieties, maybe some, you know, you have all the accoutrements, maybe some cornbread, some some things of that nature. I just I'm just in charge of here. I'm just in charge. Yeah, probably. I'm just in charge of beer for yourself. Well, for for some others as well, but mainly okay. for myself. Right. <laughs> You're in charge of driving the car to the parking garage, parking the car, and then drinking beer. It's correct. And eating chili. That I will do. Is there going to be like white chicken chilies? There, there, chili? there, there usually is a, a, a white chicken and a and a regular. So I would anticipate that would be the case. Keegan's like, what, are you okay? Is there going to be Fritos? Probably. <laughs> I mean, let's go. I mean, this this guy seems quite thrilled. I might be sitting there in the parking spot waiting for you to get there. <laughs> well, I, don't have, I don't have any of the food, so you, you know, you. Right, he's not responsible for anything to do with anything other than bringing beer for himself to drink and showing up. That's what Dave is responsible for. I seriously, I might have to bring my girlfriend to the tailgate because she is the biggest white chicken chili fan. I got, I got the best best job in on the BCJ team. He does. <laughs> I make a mean white chicken chili, Keegan. I'll have to try it. That's I. That's why I, I was curious if there was going to be a competition. I might have had to whip up some chili. Are you Are you gonna Are you gonna be able to come by again? Or are they gonna lock you out of your parking spot? Well, there's no parade. There's no. No, that's that's true. Days. No, no so issue this high. this week. That was the only concern last week. Yeah, it wasn't anything other than. I don't know if I can get it literally. And then, and then, and then I showed up and the garage was closed. And then? 
I wonder if that guy got fired <laughs> after the way Zach responded. <laughs> I was like, media, he was like, garage is closed. And I was like, well, what? He was like, you got to go to the Eden garage, which is like a mile from, a good mile from the stadium. Well, yeah, they a have a shuttle. Mile. They have a shuttle yeah. from the Eden they garage. They take a shuttle from the Eden garage to get to campus. And I made a few phone calls, and next thing you know, that guy was waving me through to park into our garage. But, oh, he picked the wrong – I don't know how many people got turned away, but he picked the wrong person to turn away because I will complain. <laughs> yeah, you're not walking in any a single step further than you have to. No. <laughs> I've been parking no. in this garage since you were in diapers, kid. Right. <laughs> Is there a list? Is my name on the list? Let me in. You look for Zach Stipe and then you let well, me in. Well, the funny thing was, I parked closer than I've ever parked before because apparently the thing had been shut down and nobody could get in. And there was parking spots everywhere. So it was just an arbitrary decision of like, eh, we're not letting it. Put the cones up. Cones, shut down. Can't get in here. This isn't uh, the parking garage you're looking for. <laughs> Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, yeah, that was brought to you by Home Field Apparel. It was? <laughs> or, turtle, or Turtles Brew. No, that the 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 tailgate segment today. Oh, okay. You by, Got it. Uh, yeah. home field so many terrible. sponsors, I can't keep them straight. It you know, it's what happens when you're a high level. That's right. Media entity. I mean, we're we're mm-hmm. we're still taking sponsors for the you know if you want to sponsor a part of the brunch. Yeah, you know. If you want you to know, sponsor George in the Jungle? We have you know, a couple spots you know where available. To, you know where to find me. Obviously not going to bump our wonderful partners from Royal Links Golf Tours. No, but like a but, secondary uh, sponsor. Yeah, you could sponsor the like uh, Bearcats in the NFL or the uh, when we talk about other games around college football. You could sponsor the segment where you talk about the Bearcats. You could. It's a segment. It is. You could sponsor it. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Homefield Apparel. Homefield is a premium college apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They have a commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They have a growing collection of over 150 colleges to choose from, including the Cincinnati Bearcats. Go to homefieldapparel.com and uh, enter BCJ23 at checkout and save 15% off of your order. You've got What's the over-under, Dave? Now, don't you? What's that? Is that home field? Oh, yeah. That's a, that's a cool shirt. I was deciding it's either this one or the 1956 baseball shirt uh, that I was going to wear tonight. And as an honor to Big 12 media tip-off, I went with the great Midwest champions. Gotcha. Dave, over, under? Is, well, is Will going to be around again? It felt like, no. it felt like Will might have stunted your game. No, Will will Leading not be around. Will Will is not going to be around. Okay. Checking the weather, it looks like the rain is going to. As of now, the rain is going to be mainly 
tomorrow night and into Friday and, and should be okay for the yeah, I'm seeing whole tailgate. And sunny. Uh, I don't think we're getting to 63. That's yeah, but 9 a.m. 48. Yeah. So uh, double digits for sure. Because it's still not like it's cold. That's not cold to me. No, I still, we're not I might, yet. I still might wear shorts. Um, but yeah, don't. It's come on. It's like a game in the fifties in late October. That's that's easy drinking. E- I mean, easy if it gets to sixty-three, it's balmy. It won't be sunny though. I don't think it's going to get that hot. I I've got on weather.com, Dave. It says sixty-three with intervals of cloud and sunshine. Slight chance of a rain shower. Winds south west southwest at ten to twenty miles. You, you need to get weather underground. <laughs> one one two p.m. sixty one. That's the high that I'm getting. Oh, so yeah, you you keep talking in the fifties. Yes, up until then. Reads off of what I'm saying. Up until then, it's going to be in the fifties. Uh, Todd does. We we have not talked about basketball uniforms, which is oh yeah, Should've which is perfect for me because I don't really care. Um, I don't either. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I like them. They're cool. I like you know, but uh, I'm not a, I'm not someone that is you know living and dying by what the what the uniforms look like. But I'm glad they brought them back, and I like the red numbers. I think that's fun. I was going to say that's the biggest thing for me is the red numbers. Like I, I like the the reintroduction. So will of they? The red numbers. Will there be red numbers? And this might already be out there, and I didn't see it. Red numbers on the white unis as well. Yep. And then, are they going to have a red uniform this year, or do we not know? So, <laughs> from what I've heard, and this is going to make people lose their shit because. I put this on the board, but I don't think many people have, have heard it yet. Um, because this was such a short like window to make right. things happen, I believe there might be like up to six different uniforms in circulation this season. Because they just threw a bunch of stuff on the wall and saw what stuff. So and, like, they're all going to kind of look the same, but not actually be the same? No, I think there's just different designs oh. that they were like playing with. Um, but they didn't like, you know, like normally this stuff takes a year. And they just so made them have all? An idea, yeah. Wouldn't that, I'm not sure that makes sense to me. Wouldn't that be harder to do making 14 versions of six different things versus if three you're starting things? them, like if you have a design and you started at the same time that one of the other designs started, like in terms of production. You just produce a bunch of options, and then you send the options, and now you have them. Sure. So again, I, I think again, there was a lot of again something I don't care about. Just play play. Well, it's not like they're making them all for production. Like they're all going to be available no. at the bookstore or like whatever. I think they were just trying to like make sure that they had quality stuff. So they designed you know multiple different things. And now they're going to have multiple different things for this can you, year. Can a team wear different uniforms? Players wear different uniforms in a game as no. long as they're all the same color, though? No. That would be fun. Wear the same uniform. Everybody's like, got a different yeah. uniform. They're all black and white and red, <laughs> but they're just designed differently. 
No, Dave, you can't do that. That's not okay. I'm going to petition the NCAA to allow that. <laughs> I did. Um, I found it funny because Wes you was You seem like them. a uniform geek. You seem like a uni. I'm not a uniform geek. I find, really? The more you work in this business, the more you find the more technical things of the industry more interesting than the surface level of stuff like uniform. So you've learned a lot in your six months in this business. Yes. I don't count the... I call it 30 months, but whatever. In, industry vet. Yeah, um, industry vet. Keegan, veteran report, veteran beat writer Keegan Nickerson says um, that he's no longer interested in trivial things like uniforms. <laughs> I did think it was funny because Wes was asked if he had any hand in the design and the uniforms, and he spent like yes a minute and a half saying you know i'll never take credit for that design there's this west west strikes me as someone that cares very much about the uniforms yes. he said yes. there's this large group of people who put so much time into this and i'm so happy that we were able to bring throwbacks and with the modern and it there's so many people that deserve all the credit and then he goes but you bet your ass I had a hand in this uniform because that has a Jordan logo on it. <laughs> so I thought that was really, really funny. But yeah, I, I, I think they're slick. But other than that, I, I, I don't really have much of an opinion on them. Yeah, they, they, they checked all the boxes, right? They are what UC fans wanted. Mm-hmm. They wanted a little bit of modern. Obviously, they the cut all is the different. Blocks. They checked all the blocks. Nobody checked blocks. When's the last time you ever seen a fucking block with a check on it? <laughs> um, best uniform since the Cincinnati throwback with the old C. Paul logo. You know what? That wasn't my favorite throwback. Really? Yeah. Okay, that was my favorite. It still probably is. Dave, do you remember the uh, the the sixty-one that they wore against against Xavier at home when Yancey had the huge game? No, at uh, U.S. Bank. No, they wore them at home too. Yeah, I remember them at U.S. Bank. Um, those were sharp. Those were, like, those were well done. Because they went back well to like the old, like really thin, like shoulders, and yeah. you had the black and red piping. Yeah, those, oh, were, those were my favorite throwbacks in like the. I did like. I have to like the ones that say the cats. The cats um, yeah. were pretty were pretty sweet too. The ninety twos might be third on that list, Dave. It I might mean, be sixty one. I'm, I'm on. I'm on a huge. I'm on a huge island on this one. The white Adidas Zubas, I loved them. Not I love the, the top. Not the black ones. The I had the, I had the shorts and left them in a hotel once. Most comfortable, awesome shorts I maybe have ever had. Still pissed I don't have them, but I liked the white ones. I didn't like the the black the black ones. With the orange. You didn't like the, the black or- with the orange? It looked too orange. The white with the it gray and the red. That's because it was orange. But yeah, it, it was orange on the other one too, but it didn't <laughs> stick out as much against the white. But That's like one those. of my favorite jerseys because that was some of the most fun I've ever had watching UC. Oh, basketball. yeah, it was when they won. They went to the Big East Championship game when they, that year. That game against Syracuse? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. 
-hmm. when they hit 27 threes, it felt like. Yeah. <laughs> and West Melvin was like SK and Cash were just like stepping yeah. back an extra step each time. It was like a shooting competition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave would love to have the Adidas March Madness jerseys brought back in uh, throwback I form. I would love that. Would. The white ones, not the orange, not the black and orange. Big fan. Big fan. Yeah, just just the white ones. All right, are we done? I'm done. Egan, you done. done? I'm done. Okay. How, oh, how was that sandwich? I didn't get an answer on the sandwich. Oh, I was gonna say we're stopping there on the way to Lawrence when we all go. Was it that good? I yeah. thought it looked that good. Yeah. It good. <laughs> he was driving. He was almost to St. Louis and needed lunch, Dave. He's like, find me a lunch spot. So I found a place that was 4.8 stars on Yelp with 1150 reviews. That's probably so a good I was like, you, need, you should probably go there. It was Everybody in a hates everything. It was in a nice part of town. All right. That's going to wrap it up. Thanks to Dave Simone. Thanks to Keegan Nickerson. Knickerson. Great job today at Media Day, at Media Tip Off. Uh, and we will see you next time. This is the BCJ Podcast brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. <laughs>